welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Coming to you practically live from the fields of Brentwood, Tennessee. Fields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, from from the from the uh, stunning studio of Fly By West Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we're back. Good to see you, Mondo. Good to see you, man. Yeah. It's been a couple of weeks. It has. We have we have a little streak going, man. Uh, we took we took about uh, five months off. <laughs> now we've we've been hitting it hard for the last month, man. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Then then posted two within two days and then disappeared again. Because <laughs> that's how we roll. Yeah, exactly. Mysterious. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, Nate? What are you been up to? I'm doing all right. Yeah. You, We're you back. Been traveling? No, I am not traveling. Isn't that wonderful? That's good, man. Yeah, I don't travel again all month. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we've actually, you know, the the uh, spring is here, mm-hmm. and we've been working on the old homestead. Good, man. Scraping and painting and water, water power washing and yeah, mm-hmm. trying to bring the ponderosa back uh, to uh, so that it's presentable once again in the neighborhood. Nice. That's basically what I'm doing. That's good, man. Yeah. Got to take care of your TP, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how's about you, Mondo? I'm good, man. Uh, enjoying the weather. You know, uh, just been out and about and hanging with friends this morning. Had a couple cups of coffee with some buddies this morning. And nice. Been I've been good, man. Just uh, in, enjoying the enjoying life, bro. Speaking of coffee, I you know mm-hmm. I drink coffee. I work in coffee houses. I'm in coffee houses every day. Mm-hmm. Something funky is going on at the Frothy Monkey, or mm-hmm. it's me. I don't know what it is. It seems like the house blend has gone high octane on me. Mm. That first cup of coffee uh. and oh man, oh man, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, I think I think you found the first sentence of your next book. What's that? Something funky was happening at the Frothy <laughs> Monkey, <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen Cobalt didn't know what it was. There you go. You got the name. Two sentences. There you go. Go. There you yeah. go. Brilliant. Yeah, all is good, man. So, what's happening with you, man? You uh, you look a whole lot better, as far as uh, yeah, illness and stuff is concerned. I am not all the way there, but uh, yeah, I can make it through a day. Good, man. All the way. Uh, I tried to not cancel a gig at a brewery on Friday mm-hmm. because, you know, spending two and a half months giving gigs to other musicians is just sad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, I'm doing it. And within five minutes of singing, went, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a really long three hours. Yeah. And it was. It was. Probably the worst I've ever played and sung in my life, but and they seemed oblivious. Yeah. Uh, luckily, it was one of the, one of those crowds that just didn't care. And yes, I caught that name. <laughs> so yeah, I was good enough to be out, uh, but probably should have given that one away. Yeah. So getting closer. Yeah, you good know, man, you good. need you need to start posting your uh, your your gig schedule on the on the Pirate Monk Podcast Facebook page or something. Yeah. Because people would want to fly in from all over yeah. the country to go to the yeah. Bang the Drum exactly. Brewery. There, there <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I, I hadn't considered that. Yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. I'm so bad at marketing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'm excited because we got a great guest with us, a returning guest. Actually, he hasn't been here for a few years. I look back. I think it was 2011 that you were here. Wow. Really? Yeah. 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 It would have been a while ago. doesn't yeah. seem like that much time really? has flown. No. It seems no. like maybe a year and a half, maybe, something like that. Yeah. I, I know it was a long time ago because I had just got my Vitamix, and I commented that I could liquefy a cat. Okay. 
I remember that moment and thinking, wow, I should have picked a better example. <laughs> I've had right that Vitamix a long time, so I know Peter, it's been a right? while since Dan's been here. <laughs> yeah. But Dan Hasseltine is with us, and I'm sure we're going to have a fascinating conversation. Before that, I think maybe we'll dip into the mailbag just a little bit. We'll do it in a second when we return here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. And we are back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Well, we have learned the secret of getting mail. Lots and lots of mail. And what is that secret? <laughs> the secret is offer Swag. to give something away. If yep. you give shit away, people call people will write to you. It's amazing. So yep. uh you know, that holds up in dating as well. I don't know why we didn't think of that before. <laughs> but uh people loved our last guest. John Thompson was here talking about his new book, uh uh Jesus Bread and Chocolate. Yep. And I had planned to go to the book release mm -hmm. uh, at the Black Abbey Brewery, and then it completely slipped my mind. Man, Did you it, go? Yeah, I went, man. It was fascinating. Was it really? It was great. Uh, let's talk about the table where there was bread, yeah, beer, and chocolate. Oh. He had two different types of chocolate. Yeah. Mexican, had a little cayenne pepper mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was another, a uh, coffee. Uh-huh. And of course, the, the the beer from Black Abbey is just amazing. Oh sure, yeah. First of all, yeah, yeah. Uh, had the beer that was soaked in uh, the bourbon barrels. Oh That's yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. That was really good. And uh, John wrote, he read from the book, uh, uh -huh. two little excerpts. And, good. Uh, we actually we sang hymns oh. towards the end of the of the the gathering. Oh wow. We sang hymns a cappella, man. It was great. It was really wow. really cool. And uh, of course, he signed some books and gave some stuff away. Uh, yeah. I think he was working with. Um, it wasn't World Vision. It's another one. Uh, Compassion. Compassion. Yes. yes. Yeah. Working with Compassion. And uh, it was great, man. Great turnout. Better than what he thought. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, uh. And a uh, great time. It was, it was wonderful, man. It was a good time. Good. Fantastic. Well, we got a strong response. People wanted to get copies of the book, so I'm waiting for a case to show up at my house so we can get these things printed. Can't read all the letters, uh, but... Uh, we'll just sample a few of them, a few mm -hmm. things. Well, a lot of people did reach out to him. He said, he yeah, did, he did want me. He wanted me to say that on this podcast. Okay, good. To thank everyone for reaching out uh, yeah. to him and and uh, you know generating some com good conversations and stuff. So awesome, yeah. awesome, yeah. So this letter uh, comes from a buddy of ours in Canada, mm -hmm. who says, "I just want to say a huge thanks to you guys for all your dedication toward helping others in their recovery journey." My brother gave me a copy of Samson the Pirate Monks a few years ago. I read it in one long bus ride. It rocked my world. Unfortunately, I stayed in active addiction until I found this podcast. Because of it, I really started to entertain the idea of seeking help for my addiction. It felt like I'd already been to a bunch of meetings just by listening to you guys. That's a comment I heard a lot. I didn't know this, but a lot of guys who wrote commented how much they liked the mini-meetings. Okay. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. 
He said, it took some of the scary part out of it for me. It was through your vulnerability and honesty that I ended up joining a homecoming group, Prodigal International. You know, you know those guys. Remember mm -hmm. them? Okay, mm -hmm. so they've got a yep. pro, uh, in my church. I had no idea this 12-step group even existed. It took me a couple of months to get there, but I've been attending since last July. I'm in the middle of a year-long mentorship program, which I'm really enjoying. I'm experiencing new levels of strength and freedom through sharing my own weaknesses with other men who are seeking a similar goal, to get and stay sober and to grow in the Lord every day. Bless you guys for what you do. You played a big part in helping me find recovery. Uh, and some more from our buddy up in Canada, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's a note uh, from Chris. It says, hi, monks. Should have written to you a long time ago been fortunate to stumble across the Samson Society and the Pirate Monk Podcast. You guys have been an amazing blessing. Answer to prayer. My story is one that's probably all too familiar. I was exposed to porn at a very young age, at five. Here I am at 45. Oh, yeah, That's heartbreaking. 45 with a life that was marred by an addiction to porn. To make a long story short, it wasn't until I came across your podcast and found some other sites, uh, pornfree.org and triple X Church, several years ago that I began to journey into authentic recovery. I have some authentic relationships I'm cultivating now, and I'm learning I have to be open and honest with safe men about my story. Be a real dude. I've been a Christian through this whole story, but I walked as a Pharisee, so fake and double-minded. Now... I just tell it like it is and seek to be real about my journey. My friend says I'm getting a pharisectomy. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah. That was the best thing I've ever heard. Isn't that awesome? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping great, that. Putting it in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love you guys. Thank you so much for your honesty and transparency. You inspire <laughs> me to follow Jesus and truth. What a gift to my life. All right. Thank you, Chris. Uh, we got time for one more. This one comes uh, from our buddy Rick. Uh, thank you so much for your podcast, The Openness and Brotherhood You Model. Uh, it's kind of a long one, but he did say it when he finally uh, hit the wall here, I submitted myself to three months of intensive residential therapy in a faith-based recovery center. Once I returned home... Finding a safe place to struggle and find Christian support was nearly impossible. After hearing Nate's story and then reading Samson and the Pirate Monks, I discovered what I was missing. The podcast has given me an idea of what healthy interaction with brothers looks and sounds like. The mini-meetings are particularly helpful, but all aspects of the program have been uplifting. I want to, th I want to start a Samson group in my part of town. Uh, of, uh, he's in Memphis. But finding the right place has been tough. I'm also thinking of moving, so I don't know what to do. Uh, he goes on, uh, for our church, building authentic community is a value, but it's not easy to construct with the pace of today's culture and in a diverse urban environment like downtown Memphis. Our discipleship and small group models are broken. As I explore ways to help, to, uh, to help craft this for myself and others we minister, to, I'd love to have John Thompson's book, Jesus, Bread, and Chocolate, to understand the handmade concept a bit more, begin to lay a foundation for what many in my community desire. Thank God for the work you do and pray that he blesses and protects all of you. Also pray that biblical brotherhood 
and the safe environment modeled by you guys becomes commonplace in communities of faith. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. That's we awesome. have the same dream, the same hope, the same prayer. Yeah. Right? That's right. So, well, so we should maybe just do a mini meeting and use the topic that you uh, that you brought up. You know, why don't we do that? I like that idea. And then we'll move into uh, our interview with Dan Hasseltine. All right. Uh, we now have declared a mini meeting of the Samson Society. We're not going to do the readings because we all know the rules for sharing. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It's been too long. you got to look it up. you got your smartphone there. Oh, crap. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I know. I th- it's hard. I th- Mondo, entertain the people while he's looking. Go. I think I have <laughs> that really cool app on my phone. I don't know where it is. Does somebody else have it? Do you have your book in front of you, Aaron? Oh, you know what? Today's underwear day. I don't have pockets. <laughs> have pockets in your underwear <laughs> you do it's the ellen underwear they yeah oh sorry we bring up stories yeah. that weren't on air before okay, <laughs> it's okay, just okay, confusing okay. for everybody yeah you guys could get some extra attention on the about the podcast talking about ellen underwear okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could we got to be strategic see that's yeah. why that's why you're here see? man yeah yeah. I'll be helpful in that, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nate. Nate, I do have an iPad next to me. Do I need to look it up? Yeah, you do. You you do. Okay. All right. This is a highly scripted moment in the yeah. Pirate Monk podcast. Well, I, th- I think it's fascinating though that uh, you know when we first started the mini meeting, you know, we really weren't sure how this was going to work. I mean, yeah. You know, jury was out. You know, we really didn't. It was kind of like, a, okay, we'll do it. Yeah. This may bore people to death or or what, but it's fascinating to see that. Uh, the effect it's having on guys, man. That was mentioned more than anything else in the mail we received. People talked about what they like about the show. Mm-hmm. They like that mini meeting. Yeah. So, uh, and and our goal in doing it is uh, we really do want to kind of model, especially for those listeners out there who don't have a group mm-hmm. or the only okay. Christian meeting Cov- you've ever the only Christian meeting you've ever been to has been a Bible study. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We want to try to model what it's like to actually drop the code words yep. and tell the truth to one another and listen to one another. I think, to me, what we what we uh, the listening part of a meeting is as important as the speaking part of a meeting. Absolutely. And the fact that there's no rebuttal, there's no correction, nobody has to paper it over or make it pretty. We're going to listen and we're going to thank you for showing us where you are. Yeah. yeah. And no, no fixing. Uh, unfortunately, Covenant Eyes has blocked the Samson site on my son's iPad. <laughs> so you know, uh, we've got to talk so, to our friends at Covenant Eyes because that is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So why don't you just summarize? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we are uh, a company of Christian men, and uh, <clears throat> uh, we've gathered today uh, to talk. We meet at other times for prayer, for study, and for self, uh, for other stuff. Uh, but uh, now we're going to talk. And we uh, talk honestly out of our own experience. We speak uh, briefly, taking care to leave plenty of times for others. We address our statement to the group as a whole rather than toward any one person. As a rule, we refrain from interrupting, correcting, uh, uh, speaking actually to anybody during their sharing. Uh, and certainly not correcting anybody, believing that those conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. We just pick a topic and we go. All right? So this is a mini-meeting. 
Mm-hmm. Only the sharing time. Yes. If you want, if you really want the full benefit of a Samson meeting, go to the Samson website, unless you're on Covenant Eyes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Now I'm on Covenant Eyes, and I can get to the Samson site. But you I, must... I think it's because my, sorry, my nose is a little. Oh, it's your kids, up. and you have it it's... set for the child setting. Yeah, it's it's probably. I think it's probably like a. 13, 14 setting, yeah. and there's probably just too much sex talk. Uh, I would imagine, yes. Okay. Yeah, get yourself to a real Samson meeting. It'll be a very enjoyable hour. This is going to be a very enjoyable 15 minutes. Uh, the topic is transitions. All right. The floor is open. And Dan, uh, you're welcome to join the conversation. Thank you. Feeling fully authorized. Okay, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll start. Uh, my name's Mondo. Hey, Mondo. Hey, Mondo. Uh, transition, I have been in a two-year transition. Mm-hmm. Um, transition is not fun, mm. just being straight. Um, it is scary. Yeah. Uh, it's enlightening. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's tears. There's joyous moments. I think every emotion known to man I've probably experienced in the last two to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also will say, that I guess the most fruitful thing is I've learned a, a tremendous amount about myself, mm-hmm. um, what I'm made of. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't give myself that much credit before. Mm-hmm. Um, put to the test things that if you would ask me before, hey, this is going to happen to you, what do you think you're going to do? I was like, man, I'll buckle. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. And uh, you know, tra- transition is, I think we're always in a transition. Sometimes that hill is steeper than others. But I think it's all the journey is a transition, a constant mm-hmm. transition. But the last two to three years for me, man, has it, it's been a, a roller coaster. That, that first hill from hell, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I can say, man, it's uh, it's been the most fruitful time of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm 38, and a lot of people would say, you know, you're around that you know midlife crisis range, trying to figure out what's next, what do you do. Um, and a buddy of mine said, no, you're you're in a midlife discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at it that way. Uh, and I really, just looking at my life uh, and from a different lens really helped me feel good about the roller coaster yeah. and not scared of it. Um, knowing that you're in a roller coaster and more hills are coming yeah. and, and being okay with it, embracing myself for those moments, right? Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny because my wife went through her transition and hers was over. I was like, man, I was with her on it. It was awesome. And then as I'm like holding her hand, I see this, big ass hill in front of me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like oh crap <laughs> um, but man I, I'll tell you um, just so many wonderful things have happened through transition for mm-hmm. me over the last couple of years and whether it be relationships um, some relationships have developed some have been trimmed um, some have been easy to trim some have been tough to trim uh, you know uh, vocation uh, has, has adjusted um, so it's 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 definitely a major shift for me, man. The, these the things that are going on now, I would have never seen these things coming years ago. Yeah. Um, but I, but I will say it has be. It, it was scarier when I tried to compute and digest all of this by myself. Mm-hmm. The more I opened up uh, to you guys, um, to other friends and some family members, the it, the easier it became to to get on that roller coaster daily. To mm-hmm. wake up and say, okay, I don't know what today's going to bring, but I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and and knowing, and you, know, you know how it is. Just feeling like you're by yourself can just be terrifying in itself. Yeah. Um, before you even get on the ride. <laughs> you know, so um, 
it's it's been a journey, man. It's not over. It's I'm still I'm still probably on the, the bottom side of this hill, but I'm still on it. And uh, but I can, the key has been brothers and uh, and my wife for sure. Mm. So uh, that's me. I'm Mondo. Thanks, Mondo. Thanks, Mondo. Yeah, yeah I'm Aaron. Hey, yeah. Aaron. Uh, just when uh, when you said the word transition, it made me think of. I'm realizing that over the last probably six years, transition has happened without my permission mm. and without my, I, I didn't even realize it was happening. And in part, there are a lot of things like my friend that I used to work out with and uh, he, he was my exercise, physical activity buddy. And when he got sick with cancer and we went through that for like five years and then he passed away, it was just a huge chunk of my life that I didn't feel like starting over with somebody else. Mm. Uh, but then you realize, oh, six years later, that's it's like a whole new, this part of my life, this active part of my life was a big part of my life for 20 years. And it was just gone. And I, I didn't think of that as a transition until six years later, you start to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting older and I don't think I have to feel exactly like this. Um, so just... I think lifestyle, lifestyle stuff, whether it's exercise, eating, all of that stuff in the last six years has just changed. And my wife and I have been talking a lot about how do you change that momentum? Yeah. But that felt like a, a big transition, as you know, Nate, uh, you've often talked about recovery stuff that all of that ends up playing into your spiritual life and your emotional life. And uh, when everything starts slowing down, and you're not motivated anymore. You're not motivated anywhere. Yeah. And so you just do what's right in front of you. And I feel like that's that's kind of where I've come to. And I've decided I don't particularly like that version of life. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as it was before. Mm-hmm. So now it's just making that conscious choice. All of that happened before the pneumonia. I was really amped up. I'm not amped up anymore. <laughs> but... I'm looking forward to getting amped up again with my wife, and it's nice that she's on the same page. That's, you know, it's not always that our paths cross with what we want to be about and emotionally doing and pushing towards. So I think it'll be really fun for us if I can just get better and care. Mm. Thanks, so. Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Yep. Mm. Hi, I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Um, transition is... Uh, it's sort of describing a lot of my experiences right now. Um, you know, I'm moving from one vocation, you know, or, or in, in part into a, a completely different space. And, um, you know, I've, I've done the same work for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work of extricating my identity from that work has been been pretty tough oh wow um you know i would introduce myself and i was sort of saying in a you know i was just sort of journaling about this idea that you know when i say i'm dan from jars of clay um that that's you know that was my name Mm -hmm. that was the full name dan from jars of clay uh and and to say now you know jars not touring anymore really kind of saying we're, we're going to take that part off the table um uh from a public perspective now i get to kind of look at it at my life and go well 
uh, now I'm Dan what mm. you know and what what am I using to describe myself what am I using to kind of fill that blank space there and um, you know and that's been pretty tough and you know I, I I would tend to agree that the transition for me you know I, initially I was really happy I was like oh good I get to I get to remove the part of my life that feels like although fun um, was the most disruptive part of being um, being present mm -hmm. you know both just physically and emotionally to my family um, it was it was a you know in a way just a a great sigh of relief to not have to do that as much um, but then came the work of figuring out who I was apart from that and and so it's meant that I've spent a lot of time outside um, a lot of time actually not working and I would joke with with friends every once in a while that I was um, I was retired <laughs> without pay and without benefits so <laughs> nothing coming in um, but I spent a lot of time outside building a fort with my kids and just working with my hands and then taking walks and some of it was solitary um, and it was in those moments that I realized that my natural tendency would be to just completely isolate mm -hmm. and try to figure it out on my own um, you know the the image of a, a butterfly you know when it's in this metamorphosis cocoons mm -hmm. and it's just the whole process happens in isolation mm -hmm. to transition into something different um, but I wouldn't turn out like a butterfly you know had I just stayed in that space yeah, and I, yeah. you know and so it it's become a great kind of privilege to then find some guys to talk to 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 say all right how do I how do I do this mm. you know what do you see mm. um, you know guys that know me yeah say what what is what what ways do you know me that that I can hold on to that aren't Dan with that that tagline from Jars of Clay. You know, yeah. what do you see? Um, and that's I, it's just a it's a privileged space to be in. It. When you find guys that are able to do that, I think everybody, you know, well, it's a lot of what you talk about here. Yeah. Everybody should have those people that know their story, um, that are stewards of of the human story, the human condition we all share. Mm. Um, uh, but it's it's been surprisingly difficult, mm. uh, more so than I expected. But uh, but transition is certainly describing um, the space that I'm in right now. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Dan. Thanks, Dan. <coughs> yeah, I'm Nate. Hey, Nate. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going through a career transition, but uh, transition. I mean, change. Life is all about change, and the more I try to stay in one place. The crazier it is. I'm going through this transition that we all are experiencing, uh, but are, at least in my case, I've seldom been aware of it until recently. Uh, I'm aging. Uh, my body, it appears, is uh, older than my mind and uh, getting a little older every day, and it shows up in weird ways. Uh, more visits to the doctor now. Uh, got diagnosed with some skin cancer I'm going to have to have removed. Uh, that just doesn't fit with my self-conception. Uh, and I also noticed that in the community that I live in now, um, 
I still, I love young people and uh, young people tend to relate to me fairly well, but I notice that um, they're relating to me, some of them at least, differently than they did just a few years ago. Um, I kind of used to get the feeling that they related to me, these folks, as uh, kind of a big brother or possibly as a surrogate dad. And now more and more I get the sense that I'm the grandpa. Uh, that there's, uh, you know, there's kind of this, if we're going to use Richard Rohr's language, there's kind of this, I've kind of moved into this sage space much earlier than I expected to. Uh, and with it comes, and I hate to say this, with, this, with it comes some diminished mental capacity. Um, I uh, am embarrassed every time I have to search for a word or the fact that so many more people know me than I know. I've met them, we've spoken, and I can't remember their name. Uh, damn, I hate that. Um, I miss, it seemed like I was a lot quicker and a lot sharper when I was younger, although I was stupider. So kind of, I, I feel as though kind of the wisdom quotient is growing, but um, at, at the price of some of that quickness and sharpness and certainly the energy that I used to have. Uh, I don't like this process, but I can't do anything about it. Uh, and it would be crazy for me to try to trap myself in a time warp and go back and pretend to be younger than I am. Um, I would like to be able to age gracefully, uh, not to go to despair or not to age prematurely as some guys do, or not to be that crazy guy who hangs on to youth long after it's gone and just winds up being ridiculous. Um, I don't like this transition. Uh, Allie doesn't like this transition. You know, I'm married, I think, to the world's youngest 69-year-old. She's 15 in a lot of ways, but she's pushing 70. And that's tough. It's tough for her. It's tough for us. Um, but that's where it is. It's a transition. I'm Nate. Thanks, Nate. And that's been a meeting, a mini-meeting anyway. We'll be back in a moment with more from Dan Hasseltine here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. We have a flair for the shade and the in-between. We like to run with the wolves from the darker sea. Pirate Monk Podcast. Dan, it just feels so good to have you in the room. Wow, yeah, thank you. It feels great to be here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why it, why you know, I, I we've not spent more time together in the last year or two. Yeah, uh, it's just one of those things. Well, hey Dan, how how um, old are you, Dan? In actual years or in band years? <laughs> yeah, not, not years or. Uh, I actually I, I turned forty two no, no. this year. 
All right, yeah. the magic okay. year, the big year. Because when Mondo said he was 38, and I know Mason is 38, and there seemed to be a lot of people from our high school class, but you were the big bully uh, during <laughs> yeah. our high school years. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was. No, I, I, tell the great story you told me uh, before we before yeah. started recording. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I got a phone call earlier today from a, a friend who is a, a record uh, producer, and he's he also does some work in, in television and he was talking to me about doing this uh the show that he's developing and it's you know um and just about these two characters and these two kids really that are young adults that are kind of have this affair um but it's sort of through songs and uh and he was sort of describing he's like i'd really like for you dan to have a role in this and you know and i'm i'm thinking in my own head i'm like well this might I mean, I don't know. I guess I could be, I could play the, a kid doing something like that. I'm trying to like convince myself in my own internal dialogue. And, and he comes back and he says, I was really wondering if maybe you could play the dad. <laughs> yeah. It sort of set me back. I was, oh yeah, I guess I'm, I guess I am 42. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So give give the update on you know you you alluded to a lot of stuff that's happening in your life the band life all of that and I'm sure there are people that are yeah. unaware so uh, give the cliff well notes we version. Uh, in jars of clay has you know we've been together for 20 years and in those 20 years have done a lot of touring uh, really up until probably three three or four years ago we were on the road away from home for two thirds of the year. Hmm. Um, you know, we have we all have families, and we were we you know consistently trying to make um, make a life out of being out on the road and doing shows and coming home and trying to sustain families and uh, and I think we we finally woke up and just said you know what we've we've gotten this part out of our system yeah you know, and and the music industry's changed a lot and, and there's not a lot of ways to for a band like ours to um, to just sustain this as a career um at least in that aspect like we we can't go out on the road and do shows not in the venues we wanted to play not for the audiences we wanted to play for um and come home and have anything left yeah so uh, so we decided to just remove the the touring side of what we do uh from our our business model from the way that we worked and and a lot of that was a decision for the quality of life of, of the band members, all of us, and our families to honor our families in this season. We, you know, we all have teenagers in the house, and we all have you know, the, the conversations have more weight to them, and they certainly have more consequence. Um, and so we we decided. Uh, how many, I have how many two boys, kids do you have? And I have a 14 year old and an 11 year old in the house right now, and they're they're uh, okay. both asking some great questions about life and uh you know and i want to be there for those and more than just the guy who sweeps in when i'm on a break yeah from mm-hmm. work to answer a question you know what i've found is that i'm getting to know my kids um my younger son has um he keeps calling me in at night when he's supposed to go to bed and some of it is a ploy to stay up later but mm-hmm. i and i can't resist it because mm-hmm. It's not get a dad. Can I, you get me a glass of water? Can you get me a snack? It's, dad, can we talk? Yeah. And so we just sit on his bed and 
And some nights I'm like, well, what do you want to talk about? And he says, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so we have to think of something. <laughs> and, um, other nights he has a specific question, but it but it always moves into a space where you know I'm listening to myself talk to my son that I now you know know a lot better. Yeah. Um, and I think, wow, I never, I didn't have this growing up. Mm. I didn't have a dad to bounce ideas off of this way. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a safe place to talk about girls or um, insecurities or things that were frustrating or confusing about the world. Mm. Yeah. So it's it's been a good it's been a good thing, you know, to transition out for that reason. Now you guys, you know, you were strategic on this. You didn't just, you know, take a vote one day and then, right. you know, you planned yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with all the planning, have there still? How has the process been? How smooth is it? Or how? What did you encounter that you didn't expect? For me, you know, it, it was a lot of. Um, it was sort of when when it became the move from theoretical mm-hmm. to tangible in the sense of, okay, I know I've got a lot of equity and a lot of relationships in the music industry. I've got a lot of, I mean, I've been doing this and built some great ties to different things and opportunities. I had a, a host of opportunities turning those into actual work yeah. um, that's tangible, that provides for my family. That was a a much tougher transition than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, part of it is just my own, um, the way my mind works is re- reducing those options and f- choosing a path and then following it. Um, that That's very difficult for me. Mm. And, and then it was really, um, as much as I thought I had put that whole idea of, um, you know, separating my identity and my value from, the things that I accomplished through Jars of Clay, um, when I actually stopped going out on the road and getting in front of an audience and receiving that applause, and um, it was harder to figure out. Yeah. And it, it really, you know, I kept wanting to just jump back into another project, yeah. do something, and I had to keep stopping, and my wife kept telling me, you know, you need to just go to the park and take some walks. Mm-hmm. You need to just... Mm-hmm slow down you need to just do something that's different from what you've been doing and that's when my kids came and said dad we we want to build a fort in the backyard wow and i said all right i know almost nothing about how to use tools um (laughs) let's do this yeah and so yeah so i spent six months really kind of going all right and every day going out and working a little bit, some with my kids, and then they would drop off, and I'd still be out there, you know, <laughs> yeah. super focused, obsessing over this, this what I've called the hobo village now yeah, in the yeah. backyard. It's a squatter camp in, in, <laughs> yeah, in the neighborhood. But it's <laughs> it's a squatter. Yeah. It's built out of pallets. Uh, you know, it's it's Occupy Hassle time. Yeah, nothing yeah. is, you know, uh, to see it is, it's a bit of a marvel. Yeah. yeah. Um, the neighbors love us. <laughs> When you were talking uh, about the transition during the mini meeting, it just uh, rang so familiar with walking through transitions with pastors because they have very similar ways of describing times in their life. And I've always been really for pastors not being pastors for chunks of time so that that can hit them. But how, and, and Nate, I think you probably felt this acutely, 
when you were stepping away from the ministry and that was so much from your childhood, this mm-hmm. is who I'm going to be. And yeah, yeah. I'm on the stage and everybody affirms it. I mean, yeah. that's the, the crossover. Number one, I'm, I'm trying to think of how, I don't know if other, other vocations do it as deeply. I'm sure there are some, but I don't know if every vocation does it as deeply as people who are on the stage. How did you guys see the shift where you finally let go and embraced an identity that wasn't based in this thing I do? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a lot of it comes from just having to kind of take a risk. Um, I mean, every one of us in the band, I mean, the guys, you know, I, I, it's hard to even describe what a gift the relationships in the band have been over the years. I mean, we've, I mean, we've put the, the hard work of getting to know each other into it. I mean, at first we were, we had spent a good 12, 13 years until we realized we don't actually know each other. Yeah. We just work together. And then after that, we started kind of digging in a little deeper and, and um, sort of, you know, exposing the, the darker parts of who we were. And, and, and through the work of that, I feel like we all got to a place where, where we were able to, um, to really care for each other's needs. Mm. You know, we needed, um, we needed, um, you know, I needed to, to spend time with Charlie and go, well, Charlie, what are you thinking about? What are you dreaming about? Matt, what do you want to do? Steve, what's your, what's your plan? Do you have any ideas? And, and I think once we all felt like we had some idea of a plan for moving out of it, that's when I think we were able to say, okay, I think we're going to be all right. Now, none of those plans had totally formulated into, well, this, I'm just going to, you know, as soon as I yeah. get off the road, I'm going to go put my suit and tie on and go to work here. Yeah. Um, you know, we were still trying to mm-hmm. navigate and figure it out, but we all at least could say that I feel comfortable stepping out. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, the financial side of it is always a piece, you know, that's always a, a great risk in transition and, you know, mm-hmm. jars for as, um, popular as jars was over the years you know we made a lot of decisions that that weren't financial for the band you know the places we played the kinds of things we did so we didn't amass a a huge right kind of nest egg from that you know none of us are walked away from the touring side of our group going all right we're set for the we don't have to work for the next 10 years you know we we all we finished and said okay we've that was fun yeah. And but now we have to go work on something else. There's yeah. no like it's not really a buffer. So that made it difficult too, you know. So we were trying to make that transition also yeah. thinking we have to think about our families. How is this work going to matter to them? Um yeah, I mean it was it was a tough tough thing to do. And I think we all felt confident though that at the very least we still had a passion for creating and making music and so that would be something that we could all do Mm -hmm. um i don't know to keep us from going insane or being too afraid at certain points even yeah yeah so are you guys still working on music or is that part of what you're planning to do you're just not touring um yeah jars will will do some creative projects we don't have anything this year we Uh kind of said let's let's really not do any creative projects for a year as jars right um now 
you know, Matt Odemark, who produces a mm-hmm. lot of independent records, always pulls one or two of us in to be a part of a project just to, right. you know, as a musician or, or an opinion in the room. Right. But, uh, but nothing for jars that's related to that. We do house concerts mm-hmm. is the only thing we're doing now with Bloodwater Mission, which is, right. you know, our nonprofit organization. And, um, and that's really it. It's just yeah. what we needed was for the first time in our career space to consider what a new version of ourselves could be yeah. outside of the band. We started when we were freshmen in college yeah. and mm-hmm. have been going ever since. And that's, you know, that's a huge transition yeah. of life through graduating college, entering a career, yeah. having, you know, getting married, having kids, all of those transitions we did together. This mm. is the first time we were sort of stepping away going, now we have the space to see what life looks like um, apart from this. Yeah. And then you're going to do other projects. You Some people might not know about your, uh, was it Hawks in yeah. Paris? Yeah, the Hawk uh, in Paris. Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Hawk in Paris. Yeah, so anyone that, that. anyone that loved Depeche Mode growing up as a child yeah. will have their mind blown by that album. Yeah. Are you going to do more of that? Yeah. Yes, we are going to do more stuff with the Hawk in Paris. And some of that is because that was a project that um, – we we developed so that none of us had to leave home. I mean, it really is. <laughs> we, you know, we we put out a lot of music, and we get we get a, a fair amount of requests. Hey, would you come and play this this show? Would you guys yeah, yeah. do a show here? We're like, well, we just don't do that. And it, I know it's strange to say that there's a band out there that does net that never plays live, but uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's kind of our yeah. space right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, so I, well, and it did. It did seem to draw. I, I who else was in that group? I was curious before you changed name because because yeah. I listened to that and it definitely touched on my uh, mopey, you know, ten to fourteen year old years of yes. the music that I loved. Uh, so, yeah, we have who, it, it's who, melancholy. Who are the people? What were you drawing from? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the Depeche Mode's New Order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is all those kinds of bands, The Cure, that were, mm-hmm. you know, a bit forlorn. Um, <laughs> Morrissey. Yeah, but yeah. The, the two other guys I'm in it with, uh, Matt Bronway, who's a, just a, mm-hmm. a renowned producer, songwriter, um, and then Jeremy Bowes, uh, another mm-hmm. guy. But all of us, it's funny, we all were, we lived on the same dorm floor in college. Matt Bronway, who helped me write a lot of the first Jars record songs, and then uh, Jeremy Bowes. Um, you know, who was lived down the hall from us and was kind of the freshman when I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And it was just this cool kid. And uh, now the three of us are still making music and we've, you know, we've been cool friends for 20 years. That's cool. That's, yeah. Yeah. That is very cool. And, and you have brought Depeche Mode into this era better than Depeche Mode has recently brought Depeche Mode into this era. <laughs> yeah. So uh, There's a lot of weight on bands, you know. Nate talks about getting older and, and trying to, you know, I think for a band it's, it's hard to transition with your audience mm-hmm. um, because you have, you know, everybody's telling you you got to be who you were. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's when you were popular, but but your your perspective is different you're not uh, writing the same kind of love songs you were writing yeah. when you were 20 years old that you're writing when you're 50 years old right you know and um and i think there's there's that same sweet spot of like nate was describing like you don't want to be the you don't want to be the guy that gets too depressed because you're getting older and then give up yeah but you also don't want to be the guy who pretends he's 
young and looks ridiculous. Right. And bands do that all the time. We know when bands look ridiculous. Yeah. You're watching this band that says, you know what, we're we're 65, we're going to get up on stage and we're going to rock. Yeah. For the kids. Yeah. And the kids are looking at it going, well, that's an interesting spectacle, but I, you know, I feel like, <laughs> look, at, look at the, you know, the jiggly parts on that guy's yeah. arm. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. playing the guitar. You know, there, yeah. there's just a means of, well, why don't you grow up with your audience and talk about the things that your audience is immersed yeah. in, yeah. that you're immersed in. Otherwise, in a sense, it feels a little bit like lying, yeah. which, mm-hmm. you know, is the, the sin against yeah. art, you know, mm-hmm. don't lie in your art. Let me let me just ask you here, uh, uh, on behalf of our audience. I, I've heard I've seen these statistics that say that the average American now is going to change careers five times. Wow! Just because, uh, I mean, that's how that's what our economy is like today. Yeah. Industries don't last long. Uh, lifelong careers are few yeah. and far between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always changing horses just to stay alive. So if that's true, then a significant percentage of the people, men and women, who are listening to this podcast today are, are in the middle of a career transition. Yeah. Uh, or or they're, uh, they see one on the horizon. And maybe you've got a lot of anxiety around it. So let me ask you, as somebody who is, uh, I mean, you're making the transition now. Mm-hmm. You've leapt. Uh, you have a... Uh, a mission now, a clear idea of where you're going. You're still figuring that out, but uh, I, I want—I want to get to what you're doing now because I—I yeah. I love it. What will you say? What word, as a big brother or a dad or a granddad, whatever, as a, as a friend, what will you say to that person today that might help them make it to tomorrow? Um, I—I I mean, I. There's a lot of weight to that, uh, to how I answer this, but I would. Think that you have to recognize how afraid you are. I yeah. have to recognize mm. how afraid I was and be honest with myself. Yeah. And just go, you know what, this is this is an incredibly scary thing. Yeah. Um, you know, especially for people who have loved the career and really embraced the thing that they were doing before. Yeah. And now they have to kind of step out of that into something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very very scary thing um being honest about that and not doing it alone mm. you know they're like you said if so many people are in the midst of that then we're we're not chronically unique yes you know, in right. this right. experience yeah. which means there's people that have come before us and people that are about to go through it yeah and people that are going through it at the same time um Usually you can find those people. You yes. just keep your eyes open and be willing to have the conversation. Be vulnerable enough to say, this is where I am right now. This is what life looks like. Um, be honest about that part of our story. Then I think that then it becomes um, doable. And yeah. it, it becomes more of the kind of the gift that it is yeah. um, to, to, to explore. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because that's really what you get to do. You know, mm. who gets to reinvent parts of who you mm. are or stir up something that you let, mm-hmm. you know, go yeah. dormant for so long? Like there's, we're so faceted, multifaceted yeah. as people, um, but we get stuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes these are just good ways to push us out of being stuck. Yeah. And uh, and the joy is we discover things about ourselves that are yeah. that are amazing and great. Yeah, that we'd forgotten. Now, you mentioned earlier um, 
how you sat with some friends at some point and said, look, you know me, what do you see? Yeah. Because um, obviously you couldn't answer that for yourself. Yeah. Right? Uh, how far into your process of transition, like when, like when, how quick did you get to those guys? Was it a long period? Was it right away? Was it in the middle? Or is it an ongoing? Because I know for me, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of tried to do it on my own and realized it didn't work. And it took some time for me to, to be honest with myself and then be honest with others. So how, how did that look yeah. for you? It, it's ongoing, certainly. Yeah. Uh, always an ongoing kind of question that I'll bring to people because I, I mean, I, I have so many blind sides when I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really does take people to kind of go, oh, you know, actually, you think that's true about yourself, but what's actually true is... And guys that are, you know, have the courage to say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know? yeah. Because, uh-huh. you know, I could, I could go a long ways down the wrong path thinking yeah. about something yeah. that I... You know that I wish were true about me, but isn't yeah. actually true, and mm-hmm. um, I can confuse myself that way. And um, but I, I think it happened early on for me mm. um, because I think I recognized how scared I was mm. early on. Yeah, and and even though I kept looking at all these opportunities that I thought I might have, I I felt like like I just. I don't know what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. I don't know what people that don't do what I do do. Mm-hmm. I've never had a boss. Mm-hmm. I've never worked in an office. Mm-hmm. I've never like I and that list is sort of the thing that gets me bogged down was I've never done this. I've never done this. I've never done this. And that's a very debilitating kind of list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's usually the one that's that comes first. Yeah. We th- mm-hmm. I think about all the different ways that I'm going to fail mm-hmm. before <laughs> I even begin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of staring that list in the face and going, "All right, I need another list." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I can't create on my own. Wow. And, and so it was, you know, I brought it to my wife. I brought it to my kids in mm-hmm. in funny ways. It was like, well, what do you, you know, what do you think would be fun for me to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, and most of the answers they gave were wrapped around, you know, my kids want me to work for Apple so that right. I can get them computers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> thought, well, yeah, I don't know about that, but, um, you know, but then it, and then it was my friends. Was like, yeah. Who do you, what do you yeah. see? Like, yeah. where are the pieces of character or strengths that you see mm-hmm. glimpses yeah. of that, that I miss, yeah. uh, you know, and it's not, hey, tell me how good I am. Right. Hey, how do I look today? You know, it really is like I just yeah. I need some little seeds yeah. to kind of at least start growing something mm-hmm. or a vision of myself that then can move into me seeing myself right. doing a certain yeah. kind of work. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's interesting because um, in the beginning, you know, say, OK, I'll, I'll talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I picked the friend that I knew was going to affirm me in all the ways I wanted to be affirmed. Yeah. And that didn't work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but then when I picked the person who would, who would speak into me, plant those seeds, see things that I was afraid to look at and recognize, yeah. call those things out, talk with me about those things, uh, much more fruitful, even though it hurt sometimes, yeah. even though it yeah. was still scary. Yeah. Uh, even though they shined a light on that scary thing I was running from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I totally resonate with with where you are, man. And then totally. you just need people, right? That that are simply the one that just asks the question: Are you, 
are you still taking the process seriously? Yeah, exactly. Are you paying yeah. attention to it? Because some days I'll just get up and I'll be like, I'm going to go, going to go do something. I'm not even going to think about this at all. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to pretend mm-hmm. that that that's not where I am. You yeah, know? and that's just. And so every once in a while, I needed somebody to say, Hey, you know, it feels like it's been a couple weeks since you've yeah. made any like you've written anything down or had you know any time to have a conversation about this. What what's happening? Yeah. You know, and just having those guys and is good too. And isn't it a gift? Isn't it a wonderful gift to have those relationships? And I don't know about you, but if you know, if life hadn't gotten pretty pretty ugly and pretty raw, yeah. uh, if I hadn't hit the wall in my own isolation, I wouldn't have friends today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh before before we run out of time, Dan, yeah. you know, you guys in jars, you didn't put away big a big nest egg uh, together so that you could all ride off with a bunch of money but you did Ooh, this a... is this is where Nate's going to offer to give you a bunch of money this is amazing <laughs> go Nate go hey it's why I'm here today <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've driven Ellen by Nate's only gave you underwear watch what's happening next <laughs> no I'm kidding yeah. Uh, yeah but you guys did lay up uh, a lot of treasure in heaven I believe um Instead of raising a ton of money for yourselves, you have really worked uh, to to uh, to raise money and raise consciousness and call people into acts of justice and service, and responsible for bringing uh, water and um, and uh, battling the the AIDS epidemic and doing a lot of amazing stuff in a dark continent. And I love the fact that, that uh, and I imagine some of your brothers spoke into your life and said, Dan, you know what? You're a leader among your peers. You're respected in the artistic community. Um, and you have an opportunity to teach others how to do what you have, you and the, and the, and the jars have done so well. Yeah. 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 And so I'm glad that although you've stopped, you've stopped touring, you haven't walked away from blood water mission. Right. Yeah, in fact, I've I've stepped much deeper into that yeah. that pool, and which which has been a great gift. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what I where I've landed um, for now, right now, is that I I get to be. Um, I mean, my official title now is um, co-founder and director of artist relationships um, for Bloodwater Mission. Mm-hmm. Sweet, um, sweet. And man. so that really, Very what cool. that means is. Um, talking to artists yeah um you know people whose primary role it is to look at the world and describe it people who you know who are the ones that sort of take the information um the overwhelming amount of information that we have and running it through those filters of of beauty and Mm -hmm. meaning Mm -hmm. and turning it into a song or a poem or a movie and and say well what about this story about people that are in Africa that are living in these communities that they don't have clean water or yeah. or that are really struggling because of what AIDS does to a, a community when it takes hold. You know, what? how can we tell that story Yeah, mm-hmm. in a way that, that doesn't overwhelm people but helps them understand that it's a human story? Mm. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's a great space that I get to sit and talk to artists about that. Yeah, I get to say, this matters. Yeah. And... How can we how can we do this together? Yeah. What how would you tell the story? Mm-hmm. How would you sing about this? How would you write about this? What would a painting of this experience look like? Yeah. And um, 
and just get them to dream, mm. get them to be inspired, um, and just always connecting them to good stories. I yeah. feel like the the fate of of artistry is sort of it. Good stories are what hangs in the balance. You know, if yes. you if you remove yourself from great stories, then you have nothing to write about, nothing to be inspired by. You know, Bloodwater has always connected me uh, to great stories, yeah. people that overcome incredible odds, um, people that rely on a God that, you know, when they wake up and they pray or say, God, provide for me just today. And he does. Yeah. And these are the people that you get to hang out with. And they, they have a, a perspective on life that's pretty, pretty much worth knowing yeah. and learning from. So that's what I get to do right now. And I'm, I'm excited to be doing it. That's so fantastic. where where can folks go to see some of what's happening at Bloodwater and maybe see some of the stories or the art? How do they connect with all of that? Yeah, um, bloodwater.org mm-hmm. is the best way. Just go to the website. Um, if they happen to be around the Nashville area, they can come and visit us at our office in the Cannery Building. Um, what a right great downtown. space. That's yeah. great. Yeah. It's great because we're right there. There's three music venues. Uh Right in the same right complex. Right in the same complex. Yeah. And then there's one just walking distance from us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, every, you know, my job is to go and shake hands and meet artists and say, hey, you probably don't know about us yeah. in town. But, yeah, it's a great space, a great place to be. And we love we love visitors. We love when people come by and see what we're doing and see the space. It's a very inspiring, creative space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. That's awesome, man. All right. Well... Time has flown. Uh, it's been uh, great to be together with you guys and great to have you, Dan, Thanks, back Dan. in the room with us. I think it's about time to wrap. Uh, but Nate, we'll... can, pe- can people still send letters even if we're not giving them free stuff? Can they still connect with us, ask their questions, and give oh, us their yes, love? Oh, yes, they can. Yes, they certainly can. And the simplest way for them to do it is to uh, enclose a $50 bill in a stamped no. <laughs> No, 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 send us an email. Send us an email. Send us an email at uh, at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Or grab us on Facebook. All right, right. And I think we tweet as well. Newton tweets. Yeah. And a shout yeah. out to Newton, the new daddy Newton. Yeah. Uh, he's taking that, they're taking that baby to visit relatives, I think. They're oh, on fun, the road man. today. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Larg. And I would do anything for love I'd run right into hell and back I would do anything for love I'll never lie to you and that's a fact I'll never forget the way you feel right now, oh no, no way, and I would do anything for love, but I won't.